Hello, Texans. Welcome to the show as we are locked and loaded for a Tuesday night extravaganza of Texans talk and NFL talk and then some. And in segment two tonight, Andy Kalou and Cecil Shorts the third converse. Part of the Texans OG's pod series, which is available on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. And tonight for you right here, an excerpt from their conversation, which did take place today. And they talk about Cecil's career, also stuff about the Houston Texans. So you can catch that pod later or some of it right here in segment two. And John Harris is with us. Johnny, let's go talk about some Texan stuff and around the league stuff, too. But. Do you realize that you and I are the only people in the entire city who have not talked about C.J. Stroud and the Amber Rose story? What's that? Yeah, see, what's I that? knew you were going to go there. What's uh, that? I don't. Uh, it, what's what's it's an Amber personal Rose? Personal life. I guess I get it <laughs> yeah. because it's gossipy. It's a juicy off-season news story, I suppose. Right. I had a lot of thoughts about why do the celebs park where you have to walk through the general public to get to your spot. I didn't understand that. Yeah, I'm sure there's an explanation. I'm sure why, there is. Why did Travis Scott park there? Were they not know. allowed to park in the players' lot? I don't get that. But all that aside, C.J. Stroud is a smart guy. I'm sure he's going to handle whatever's in front of him just fine. I was thinking about this. I was driving back over after lunch, and I, I kept coming back to this. C.J. and the Texans, mm -hmm. and I would think the Texans helping C.J., there's a level of celebrity going with C.J. Stroud that we've never seen in this town from a Texan. Now, Deshaun, I mean, J.J. got a lot of acclaim. It took a little, it took a little while. Yeah. It took a few, a couple few years, this and then obviously. Fast. Yeah. This is fast. This is one year, and all of a sudden, people are putting him up on, you know, on the pedestal and all that kind of stuff, which is, I mean, it's fantastic for people to know, hey, you got the guy and all that, but. It's just going to be tough dealing with all the, the different requests and everything because one thing I noticed during Super Bowl week, he didn't say no. He didn't like to say no to people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure he did to some, but he I mean, probably did to a lot. I, I'm sure he probably did, but it he did a lot. And CJ strikes me as a guy that wants to please everybody and make sure everybody's happy around him. And that's obviously the way he plays quarterback. He wants to feed the ball to everybody. He doesn't get locked in on one guy, gets the ball to everybody else and all that. But he's got a level of celebrity that I, I know I'm not used to. I mean, for JJ, I got in the building in 14. That's the year that it, it kind of clicked, obviously. But he had already gone to the Pro Bowl before that. But it was like his star rose kind of steadily and consistently. CJ's went from, well, you know, where's he going to be drafted? Okay, he's going to Houston. Well, what do they have in Houston? To all of a sudden, he is one of the faces and voices of the league the right league. now. The league. It's amazing. Yeah. So from that standpoint, just dealing with all that is going to be, you know, it's going to be difficult in some sense. This, I think, is going to be the thing that is going to frustrate him is, wait a second. Why is what I'm doing walking away from a softball game going to be news? And I'm sure CJ does know this. But anything C.J. Stroud does is news from now on. He's going to figure that out anything. fast. He probably has already. Breaking news. Right. C.J. Stroud went to the bathroom Be in a bar. I mean, like, think okay. about what he said up here at the podium week to week. He knew what the media reaction was to how well he was playing. Right, right. And then when they had the jet game and then he exited for mm -hmm. a while with the concussion. But he came back and he was 
very wise about the way people were reacting to anything yep. he did positively mm -hmm. and very little negative. I mean, right. just having a what, when he threw the three picks. Oh, when he threw the three picks in a win. In a win. Right. All five picks in a win. How about All that? Five All five picks, picks in wins. We're in victories. Only five interceptions. Only but five. You're, and you're they, right. they came in three games. Yeah. That's it's incredible. incredible. It's incredible. And the first one, they got right back. How about that? And the one against the Bengals didn't how many matter. Did, how many did Peyton Manning throw in his rookie year? 28? Yes. 28. Crazy 28. amounts of picks. Oh, by the way, watching that Patriots uh, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed how many picks Drew Bledsoe threw. Yeah, he threw he a lot. He threw a lot he of interceptions. No wonder lot of why Ernie Adams and those guys were like, you know what? We could do a yep. little bit better just by not turning the ball over. I like Drew Bledsoe. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you made a good point here. I think it's a lot closer to Watt because after Watt's rookie season, Watt's rookie season was the greatest season in the history of the franchise at mm -hmm. the time. Right, 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 right. And he became a star at the same time. Andre Johnson played at an extremely high level, Pro Bowl, mm -hmm. all-pro level, while the team wasn't winning. So while he was a massive celebrity, it was pre-social media really taking over and pre-Texans winning. Watt hit everything at once, winning, social media, yep. and him playing well. And I think it's a little bit different. And I'm sure he would have some interesting things to say to CJ about how to handle all this because right. you got to handle it. It's got to be tough. You're 22 yep. years old. Everybody's coming at you. So we'll see how that goes. And really, I think he's a really smart kid. He's going to figure out a lot. Some of it you just have to learn on the fly. And we'll see where it goes from here. You know, it's funny. I've always, I, I always kind of bristled at, you know, when you called him a kid. And it's like, yeah, I know. He's, no. He's the same I'm age. I'm old as, enough to call him a kid. He's the same age as my daughter. They're the same class okay. of 2020, and is. like she's my kid. So I there's a there's a part of me that thinks about him in, in that particular way. I don't mean that in a demeaning I know, way. No, no, I know, I know, I know. I used to. It's funny. I used to in my former radio station. I used to like. Why does Gary Kubiak always call him kids? They're adults. I used to get. I used to get frustrated with that. But I don't anymore because now I look at them and they could be the age of my kids, and yeah. so I I kind of get it. But it's. You know, it's funny going back and watching that Bengals game. It was on NFL Network on Sunday, maybe Monday. I can't remember which day the it was. The Colts on. game was on today. Oh, was it on today? Mm. Oh, so that means it's moving up the, the that's in the top ten then? Yeah, oh, wow. I believe so. Wow. Um, and just watching him, you know, I spent the weekend just kind of what do the kids call it? Doom scrolling. I was just on YouTube and finding different things. And why is it doom scrolling? I don't know. I don't get that. Anyway, probably appropriate. I went from top 100 plays in the NFL, and we've got a number of them in there. We got like four, maybe five. Then it was, uh, hey, top 10 plays of every NFL team. Ooh. in the league and that that's like an hour and 45 i'm like all right let me just see if i can get to houston so then i watch the top 10 i'm like oh and any i'm just reliving any disagreements just, uh what was our number one play do you remember it was well, it, it better nico it was uh it was 75 yard nico to start the game look that was a hell of a play i know you got to go with tank dell against tampa bay you but have what, to what was interesting though is when they did their top 100 plays mm. that play i think was 44 CJ to Nico and Andrew Beck running it back, I think it was like 24. So it was kind of interesting how they, and I know different Tank groups. Did Tank end up in the top 100? We don't know right now. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's the other one, too. When they do their top 100 plays, uh, top 100 players this summer, as they always do. Yeah. Where do you think our guys will fall? It's going to be interesting to watch. We'll have a few guys on there for sure. It always confuses me because when you get to the top 
25. Yeah. How many of them have to be quarterbacks? Right, 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 right. A lot. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. CJ is CJ Stroud right now one of the top 25 players in this league? Well, he's one of the top quarterbacks in right. this league. Which makes him a top 25 player. Yeah, you have league. to. Yeah. Now, you could argue this guy is so much better. Aaron Donald and everything he's done at defensive tackle is better than C.J. Stroud as a quarterback. But is he? Yeah. Look, that's a tough debate in this sport. That's always hard. Ultimate to, team game, all that. It is. But, you know, that's. I'm curious how many will make it. C.J. will make it for sure. Does Nico make it? Laramie will definitely make it. Um, it's going to be tough. There are a lot of great receivers, as well as Nico did. Has he opened enough so, eyes yet? Okay, so this made me think. And I and, and Brandon Scott was in with Sean Pendergast today, and they were talking about, you know, getting out the credit card and, you know, something we talked about yesterday, you know, paying for Mike Evans and, you know, paying the credit card bill later on, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I've always been a mindset, like, I don't, I don't mind going out and paying for a Maserati. You know, if I get a Maserati, mm. I'll pay for it. You know, if I got the money, I'll pay for it. Um, I don't have the money to do anything right now, but but you get the point. And so they were, kept talking about Mike Evans. And, man, I, I love and I hate I hate doing this, but I love Mike. But it just feels like they're, the with Nico and Tank, if you didn't have Nico and Tank or you just had one of them, okay, I could see, like, pushing for Mike Evans. But this team is not quite one player away. If Mike was that player, like, Man, I don't know. You have other more pressing yeah. needs than Mike Evans right now. Absolutely. As, as much as I love Mike Evans, look at it. Yeah. Look, it just based on the returning players you have, you are far more well set at wide receiver than you are in certain other position groups. Correct. Based on expiring contracts, things you have to deal with. Now, I know people advocating for Mike Evans are also thinking, well, you're going to take care of those things. We're not saying don't take care of them. Right, right, right. I'm being their voice right now however you have to take care of those things and it costs money right you got to be very careful with this stuff but johnny you tell me mike evans nico collins they're not the same guy but no and you could figure out a way to be happy with mike evans nico collins and, Tank and, and that's among the point others. i would be very happy if they sign mike evans but i don't want it to be well you know we were thinking about signing this guy and this guy but now we can't sign both guys because, you know, we got to pay Mike a certain amount. Oh, we got to play. And not just Mike, but just any, you know, yeah. any free agent. But you look at, you know, I, I know, you know offensively, you're bringing everybody back for the most part. You have two unrestricted free agents. You have Dalton and you have Devin. Okay? Now, those are two positions in the draft. Not so great. So. Running back? Running backs? Not so great. Okay. You, you probably won't have a running back before pick 50. Okay. So. But maybe maybe forty. You but wouldn't way, be, you wouldn't be taking one before pick fifty anyway. Uh, right, right, <laughs> right. Um, so my point is, you look at the defense side of the ball, and you've got six starters, unrestricted free agents. Yeah, and that doesn't even mention Jerry Hughes, Derek Barnett, Son Ridgeway, Tier Tart. That doesn't even mention any of those guys. Yeah. Desmond King, DHC, Kareem, Chris Boyd, Eric Murray. And you needed every single one of right. those guys to make plays for you. Exactly. So, yes, are you going to go to the Walmart bargain bin at some point and find a free agent that is, you know, like finding Devin Singletary was like finding a copy of Friday at the bottom of the Walmart bargain bin for five bucks. Yeah. Like, wait a second. Really? Oh, I'm doing this. And mm. it can't hurt. It's five bucks. You got Devin Singletary. That was what Devin Singletary was, essentially. And I know... I just have listened over and over again. Like, you got money, you got to spend it. You got money, you got to spend it. I get that. I understand. Yes, you have money. But let's make sure that the money is going into the right places. 
What is it that we should, quote unquote, overpay for? What is it that we shouldn't overpay for? Yeah. You know, and where can you find contract efficiencies at positions? We saw last year, like I just mentioned, a running back. Devin Singletary led the Bills in rushing. Team that went to the playoffs. And you end up getting him for one year, like, with three or four million dollars? Like, what? Like, you're going to be able to find some efficiencies, I think, in, in the marketplace at various positions. So maybe you don't get Saquon, but you get Josh Jacobs. And because you didn't get Saquon, you have to pay X plus. You pay Jacobs, and you were able to get... I don't know, another interior defensive lineman. So you were able to get both for the price it would have taken for Saquon. So it's just spending the money and spending it properly and judiciously. Oh, I know. A great more likely to happen for Thursday. I'm going to save it. It involves running backs. Okay. We'll save it for now. Okay. I got some other things for you here. Okay. Daniel Jeremiah, you've heard of him. Heard of him. We'll probably visit with him next week, by the way, okay. at some point. Yes. And are you going to be okay, as ESPN has already emailed me, do you want to visit with these, quote, draft experts? You know who they had as a draft If ex? you say yes to any of them, I'll, I'll no. Listen, it's okay. It's, what is that called? That polyamory with draft <laughs> experts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like Johnny, but we also want to talk to... They labeled Field Yates as a draft yeah, expert. Yeah, they've moved him over to... It's funny because I would, really actually, a draft I would expert? actually... They've kind of moved him into that realm... Instead of a story breaker. Right. And he was so more of a reporter like Mike Reese. Yeah. And he did a lot of stuff. Right. Similarly, but maybe for different teams. Right. But he, I remember seeing he tweeted, actually, I want my talking to Field Yates. I thought you were going to bring up some of the other yahoos. I want my talking to Field Yates. I, I think Field is pretty smart yeah, about you, things. But if, if I could get Mel Kuyper over to our table, oh, you'd be fine. I'd love that the discussion. Godfather. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I'd, lo I'd love that discussion. That, that would be fantastic. Although McClain would be here. Joe Bushbaum yeah. is the godfather. Oh, yeah, at Bushbaum, Kuyper. I mean, yeah, you know, RIP to Joel. It, it, and, you know, there are a lot of people that have said over the years, you remind me of Joe Bushbaum. And I'm like, that's the greatest compliment you could you can pay me. There's no, there's no doubt How about that. How did he get all his information? That had to be tough in a pre-digital era. Amazing. I, I don't know. All right, so Daniel Jeremiah, scout formerly of the Ravens and Eagles and yeah. NFL Network mm -hmm. commentator, uh, he says that if the Texans draft, in, in his latest mock, mock he has the Texans selecting Brian Thomas Jr. Yep. from LSU, a receiver, mm -hmm. he said the Texans receiving core, this relates to the Mike Evans story, receiving core with Tank Dell, Nico Collins, and Brian Thomas Jr. would be as good as any in the league, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing some. Mm -hmm. You have those three, you're going to be in great shape, as good shape as any team in the league. And for a while... Because I got a feeling the Texans are – I have a feeling eventually we're going to end up paying Nico. This is my, my thought on it. Well, so that's, my, that's my question to the Mike Evans people. Are you paying Nico now? You're going right. to wait because you can't really wait. Then you got to franchise him. Then you're paying two receivers, Boku Bucks. I don't know if you can do that. But how good is Brian Thomas? Johnny 6'4"? It's, it's funny you say this because I actually am looking at it right now to a post on my site tonight, footballtegro.com, my scouting report for Brian Thomas. And – I'll give you a couple things about him, and okay. you could you could tell me. All right, six four, two oh five, former All State basketball player in Louisiana. Oh, he sounds like Mike Evans in in a sense. Yeah, now he's not as he's not as I think Mike's six six, but mm -hmm. you know he's got. You can see the basketball part of his game, like his body control, going up 50-50 balls, those kind of things. He has got some acceleration 
away from guys. Like you see when he runs the ball after the catch. And I actually said in my scouting report, I used Nico as an example of how Nico became a catch after a run after the catch receiver. And it turned him into a near all pro or a near pro bowler. So Brian Thomas has got that in his game. He has got breakaway ability. He's got home run hitting ability. The funny thing is he really is kind of the marriage between tank and Nico. He's kind of got Nico's size He's got Tank's downfield ability, but he's different from them, um, and I think he would be a, a wonderful, wonderful piece. So if you want to see my scouting report, I'll put it up um, at footballtakeover.com tonight. That's I think it's going to post tonight. So uh, that was just a player I chose to do for my scouting report, and then I saw Jeremiah's – because I've seen other mock drafts have been, you know, Brian Thomas, Chop Robinson – uh Liatude Latu. I'm gonna have my I'm gonna have a YouTube breakdown of Latu um on my YouTube page um a little bit later tonight as well. So those that guy, Brian Thomas, Jeremiah's right. Because once you have those three guys, and if you're going into a game and say that say that uh, Brian Thomas does end up being kind of your number three guy, you classify it, whatever, which one do you double? Which one do yeah. you try to take oh, away? Yeah. Well, Brian Thomas is the guy that you're probably not going to probably not going to double cover. Right. So he's probably going to get your second best corner at best for a defense. And he will run by that guy. He will roast that guy. I mean, just oh, just what you could do. That would be really fun. Like I, I am all for I'm all for taking a wide receiver at 23. I'm all for taking a wide receiver at 23. Because it's cost controlled. You know you got the fifth year option. If you take him in the fifth in the first round, you got all that. It's gonna I think that is not a bad thing at all to do. I think signing Mike for a lot of freaking money for three or four years is going to give me some heartburn, even though I'm going to love Mike. And every time he scores a touchdown, people are going to be like, see, we paid good money for that. Yeah, but you're probably not going to know at the time what that might have hamstrung you from doing down the road. And that's the that's a, that's going to be a, a tough story to tell. Like, oh, we missed out on that guy because we paid this guy, not just Mike, but anybody at that point, that that kind of money. Now, the cap is going up. The cap is going up to like $250 million. Yeah. So you're going to have some money, there's no doubt. And if they do pay for Mike, that's great. It's fantastic. I don't have any problems, but does it raise questions with Nico? Are you going to bring Nico back? Mike's, what, 29, 30 years old. You know, you've got those. There are going to be some questions. Then again, you draft a guy. There are going to be questions about what he can do as a draft pick, too, with Brian Thomas. If it's Brian Thomas, it could be a lot of guys. But I don't have any questions or any qualms at all about having Brian Thomas end up with the Texans at 23. Not at all. Now, me, I think it's probably, if you're matching up value, Mm -hmm. to me, I think you probably go defensive line, whether it's on the edge or whether it's inside. I think that's where you can find better value. And you might have, depending on what happens with John Grenard, a bigger need on there than you will at wide receiver. Latu Latu, if you draft him, you have the last two Lombardi Award winners oh, that's right. on your team. You have yeah. Will Anderson Jr. and Latu. Yep. How does he fit if they take him? Day one starter type guy? I'm assuming Grenard's not back if you draft Latu. Yeah, that, that would be my guess, is if if you don't bring John Grenard back, because keep in mind, I mean, I, and I don't know what the situation is, uh, how it looks for Dylan Horton, but you know, you bring Dylan back, and let's say you, you uh, well, say you've Dylan got comes him. back, you got him. It's just a matter of him health. returning, yeah. health, whatever it is. And let's say you sign Grenard. Well, you got Will, you got Grenard, and you got Horton. There's three. Now at that point, you probably need a veteran presence in there. You know, a Jerry Hughes, a Derek Barnett. Maybe you bring back Barnett at that point, um, or you bring in you know another 
uh, pass rusher at that point. You don't have to go get that first-round pick. But if you end up not being able to bring Grenard back and you don't sign somebody in free agency at that particular position, then you definitely have to take a look at a guy like Latu. Now, day one, immediately, third down, he's on the field. Second and long, third and long, he's on the field because he's as skilled a pass rusher as there is in this draft, or any other draft for that matter. His ability to bend, it, I mean, his pass rushing is unbelievable. I told him at the senior ball, I said, but, I said, you got to set the edge. Because all the pass rushing moves you got, and as skilled as you are, you got to set the edge with some violence. And there's some games where you look at mm. it and go, man, I don't know, setting the edge, ooh, I'd like to see him be a little more violent. But as a pass rusher, there's right, nobody well, as skilled as that guy. That edge nobody. setting, though, that is job one for them. In this D'Amico, defense, absolutely. Yes. I'd love you getting after the quarterback, he would say, but this is the first priority. Yep. We cannot let people bounce to the outside and grind up yardage that way. Yep. All right couple of other things here. Matthew Slater retires. I bring this up because I'm impressed with this. And this is a good lesson in life and football that you don't have to be the quarterback. Right. You don't have to be the star pass rusher. He has caught, what is it, like one career pass? Yes, one pass. One, one pass. And you'd hate to screw that up. I'm glad he didn't catch two. One is just the perfect number yep. for him. Mm -hmm. Yet he's been to what, 10 Pro Bowls? 10 Pro Bowls. 16 seasons, 10 Pro Bowls, greatest special teams player in history, says Bill Belichick. You could debate that all day long. I don't care. I interviewed him at the 2013-2014 Pro Bowl wow. because we had just hired Bill O'Brien. And right, I wanted yeah. a Patriot comment on Bill O'Brien, and I got one from him. And that was 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago. Yeah. And he just retired. And at the time, I think that was his third Pro Bowl, he'd been going for a while and those guys know they've got to make the team every year. This is not, I've got a 10-year contract and I've got all this guaranteed money. Matthew Slater had to make the team every year. They were probably aching to replace him with a younger, cheaper model, but they couldn't because he was just too good at his job. I love that. And I hate the Patriots like poison. You all know that. But I salute Matthew Slater and the career that he had. How about, and I'm trying to think, if there is another father-son duo, there's got to be. There's got to be. They have 17 Pro Bowls between them. Ooh, that's strong. 17. Dad, Jackie Slater, played for the L.A. Rams. How played. many has Jake Matthews been to? <sighs> not, not that If not you that add up many. all the Matthews family yeah, Pro Bowls. that's Because you have Clay, his nephew, Bruce Matthews' nephew. You have Clay, his brother. Jake, now, is, Jake has been to one. Oh, that's not enough. Yeah. How many did Clay 17. Matthews Sr. go to? Bruce was, I did an event with him recently. He was yeah, campaigning yeah. for Clay, his yeah. brother, the former Cleveland Brown, to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So yeah. we'll see how that As, goes. And he was a tremendous outside linebacker at the time. Now, Clay, I guess it's Clay the third. So when he played for the Packers, he had he had six Pro Bowls. So that's uh now, you could go all the way down the line. Clay Matthews Jr. had four. That's 10. That's 10. Mm. The Slaters had 17. That's strong. 17. So strong. And, and what I love about that, the, the Slater story, is here's a guy who, you know, his dad was a, was a big-time player, pro bowler. Different position. But he goes to UCLA. He's a wide receiver. And you think, okay, this guy's grown up. He's been around the game. You would think, oh, no, I'm too big for that. No, he finds a role as a special teamer and says, 
This is the role I'm gonna. This is the role I'm gonna be in, and I love it. And I'm gonna help this team win games. And mm. he also calls the coin flip very, very well in overtime of playoff games. Yeah, he does. He did. He he, cru- he crushed it right here in this building. I don't know whether he called tails or heads, but he called it right. He called it right. Um, I think it was one the of the Chiefs. championships game against the Chiefs. Yeah. Called it right then. So that, that was making the rounds on an NFL Films video yeah. about overtime. Yeah. And Absolutely. we all saw the Patrick. People are reacting as if Patrick Mahomes' reaction was a complete uh, bevy of expressions. Right. It was just his eyes widened slightly and were zapruitering this thing to death. <laughs> right. I mean, he might have been thinking, man, I really got to go to the bathroom. Please. <laughs> please. Uh, I, I really want yeah. the ball first. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Anyway, let's get to this. Eddie Kalu and Cecil Shorts, the third, a conversation on Texans OGs. It's coming up about the Houston Texans, Cecil's career. Eddie is a great interviewer and Cecil your stadium MC an outstanding guest that's coming up and then Johnny and I we're going to wrap it up 12 team college playoff news on that how does it affect the NFL and a quarterback wants out of an NFL team that the Texans are going to play this year it's Texans radio Keeping things moving here on Texans Radio. We've got a good segment for you. Do we ever have a bad one? Don't answer that. But this is awesome because it's Texans OGs, a podcast you need to know about that's available on the Texans app and HoustonTexans.com, hosted by Andy Kalu, Texans legend, catches up with former players. We have Andy on the radio and on the air in a variety of ways on Texans TV, Texans preseason TV, but he catches up with former Texans players, a.k.a. Texans legends. And this week, it's Cecil Shorts. Here's an excerpt of Andy speaking with Cecil Shorts III. I'm not even going to call this man a guest, I'm gonna call him a co-host because when it comes to broadcasting, communications, and master of ceremony with the mic, there is no better than my man Cecil Shorts. You hear him at the games, you see him at the games, and done an awesome, awesome job with his transition from being on the football field. Seven-year career after coming out of Mount Union and now just doing an awesome job with the Texans Legends community. So he's co-hosting. He is not a guest, he's co-hosting. Cecil Shorts, how you doing, brother? Well, I appreciate the introduction, man. Make me feel warm. Make me feel good inside. Man. I, I I appreciate that. But all is well, man. How about you? That, that means you're living right because I'm just telling the truth. So if it makes you feel warm, <laughs> it means you're doing some of the right things. But I'm good. Let, let's get right into it. Uh, for those that don't know, when, when you first came to the Texans in 14, 15, I remember I looked you up and, and I just love your story. You know, I love the stories of the underdog, the the, the Division three school standout who goes on to – uh, a play in the NFL, you know, two times what the average career, the average career being three and a half years, you played over seven years. So just kind of talk about your journey to getting to the NFL. Man, it was, it was something I didn't know that was realistic. Mm. It was something that um, this kind of happened. Like it's always a goal. It was always a goal of mine, right? Somebody says when I'm 10 years old, I want to be all and play in the NFL, all and play MLB, I want to be a fireman, right? Um, but I think it came to reality probably my third year or fourth year in school, mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, it's, it's starting to get for real. But going to school, like I was 5'10", 5'11", uh, 160 soaking wet, 155 soaking wet, especially after track season because I ran the 800, I ran the 4x4, I ran 300-meter hurdles in high school. So I was always very active. I was just a smaller guy. And um, I don't think I was – if I – knowing now, right, because people are like, hey, 
do you think you could have went D1 out of high school? I'm like, probably not, because they look for a certain height and weight and certain 40 time and certain stature that stands out different than everybody else. And I didn't have that stature, right? I think I was a decent football player, but I didn't have that stature, just being honest. Um, so going to school, it kind of felt like I was a failure almost. I didn't get a scholarship. Mm. Um, I felt like I let my parents down because we had to pay for school. You know what I mean? Um, so when I got to school my freshman year, uh, I was a quarterback, recruited to play quarterback. Other Some D2 schools wanted me that they weren't that good at the time. Um, and they wanted to play corner or something else. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm a quarterback. I'm, I'm the next Mike Vick. I'm the right-handed Mike Vick. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm supposed to be that dude. So I went there freshman year, got hurt, red-shirted, um, medical red-shirt, because in, in D3, you can't just normal red-shirt. It has got to be it. a reason. So I medical red-shirt that year, and I run track, and I end up being an All-American in track. And they're like, hey, how do you feel about switching to receiver for, you know, your red-shirt freshman year? And I was kind of like – reluctant i'm like uh i don't know they're like all right you can either switch to receiver or you can ride the bench because we got a sophomore is going to be the quarterback the next three years so i'm like i guess i got no choice mm -hmm. <laughs> so i was the sixth or seventh receiver behind five seniors wow it was a little it was legit pierre garcon who ended up playing like a 12 13 year career and then five four or five other guys who were good players so i'm learning and watching them i'm getting some reps because we're killing teams also getting behind, you know, I guess some like third, fourth string quarterback reps. And then Pierre goes on and gets drafted in the sixth round that year. And Pierre has the stature. He's 6'1", 205. When I mean he's a blocker, he will put a cornerback to the ground. He'll one-hand catch. He would just special. But when he got drafted, I'm like, wait a second. You can get drafted from a Division three program? Like, hold on. And then knowing like, hey, it's just me and a guy named Vince – that were registered together, like, hey, we got opportunity to be the next two guys up. I'm like, all right, let's 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 take full control of this. And I went into grind mode. Mm -hmm. I went into, like, uh, they call it, like, um, when when Carmelo Anthony puts his hood on, they call him, like, Hoodie Mellow. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> like, I, I put my hood on, I went straight into grind mode. And the next three years, you know, it was, like, almost 5,000 yards receiving, 70-something touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I mean, my dad always told me, like, hey, if you want to go from the get to the league out of division three, you cannot just be good. Hmm. You can't just have a good season. You can't just be all, all conference. You can't just be a starter. You have to dominate. Like you truly have to dominate and prove you don't belong at that level. So my mindset was I had to dominate and prove myself. So my first year is like 1400 yards. Wow. Um, we go to national championship. I think it was like 23 receiving touchdowns. We go to national championship. And we lost, I think. But national championship is the only game we get on ESPN every year. That's mm -hmm. our one game that the national stage we get. Right, right. <laughs> so it's important we get there, right? In my five years I was there, we went there every year. Nice. Um, it's kind of like the standard at Mount Union. It's a humble brag. It was kind of like yeah. the standard at Mount Union, right? Um, the next year, crazy. Over 100 catches, 1,700 yards, uh, almost 30 total touchdowns from returning to receiving and, and rushing. And then after that year... We go to national championship again. We end up losing, but agent after agent after agent started calling. Hmm. And then team after team after team started showing up. And I'm like, whoa, this is back when MySpace and uh, Facebook were very popular, right? right. Facebook is still popular, but MySpace was a thing. So I'm getting agents hit me up on MySpace and all this stuff. And I'm calling my dad like, yo, what do I do? Hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. what is, are they for real? Is this fake? 
And as time went on, going into my last year, it was like, it was for real. So my dad probably met with, my dad created a team. It was my mom, my dad, my uncle, some high school coaches that were real close to us, um, uh, maybe a pastor and a few other people, about eight people. My dad created a group and he met with about 35 agents. We continue with this excerpt from Texans OGs, a podcast with Andy Kalu and Cecil Shorts III, tonight's guest, and you can get it on HoustonTexans.com, but you're hearing a taste right here. So he said, every agent you get that talks to you, send them to me. So mm-hmm. I gave my dad's number. That's awesome. And they were serious. They flew in from all across the country. They met with them, and my dad gave them the ringer. Like, mm-hmm. why? Here. They, like, this is the who, what? This is everything, right? So they dwindled it down to the best three that they thought. And then I met with the best three, and I kind of chose from there. But I didn't meet with them until, like, later in the season. So my senior year comes, and um, it's real. I mean, it's people that practice every week. And I'm this is D3, right, right, This is right. D3, right? Like, this is, like, the campus is buzzing. Like, <laughs> yo, this is crazy. 49ers one day, Raiders one day, all this stuff. They come to practice. So this elevates everybody's play around, right? Everybody's like, yo, yo, I'm trying to get looked at. I'm trying to go here. Um, but it was a surreal experience. So, uh, I ended up getting hurt my senior year. Uh, I missed two or three games in the middle of the year. And I finished the year with like turf toe, you know, turf toe was just crazy. People were like, Oh, so nah, that's, that's something that you, (laughs) the the, the name doesn't do it justice. (laughs) It it doesn't, it doesn't. It's one of the worst injuries, especially a receiver when you're planting and you know, you don't realize you need something until you hurt it. Yep. And so you can't really use it, right? Um, but still, that senior year, ended up still playing uh, over 1,000 yards, uh, close to 20-something touchdowns. And then that year, I ended up playing some DB hmm. and being uh, going along with returning kicks and punts. They're like, hey, we're going to put you at DB a little bit just to help you. First of all, you're a good athlete, but to shut down whoever, but also to help with you know your draft prospect. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So I played a little bit of DB in the playoffs and the championship game, and that was fun. Um but it, it, was, it was surreal because right after the championship game that year, I ended up playing like five positions. I played quarterback in that game, receiver. I played nickel, and I was a kick and punt returner. Wow. Um, so after that game, one of the agents came to the game. I think I chose him by that time. He was like, this is crazy. We're going we're gonna to go get you drafted. So about a week later, I go to California. I'm training. I go to the combat or the East-West game, and I'm around like, Tyrod Taylor and other Division One guys that right. I watch on TV. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a D3 guy. Like, we play at noon on a Saturday, and then we're going home. We're arguing about who's going to beat, who's going to win, Ohio State <laughs> or Michigan. <laughs> like, yes. we're, we're arguing with the Florida boys. Like, no, nah, Miami's not better than Ohio State, or Florida's not better than, you know what I mean? Yep. And at that point in time, I'm watching. Like, we, I, I looked up to the guys on TV, not even recognizing, like, you know, I'm one of them. Yep. So I get to the combine, and the – and I see Cam Newton. I'm like, yo, that's oh, Cam Newton. That's Mark Ingram. Like, that's not realizing you're like, yo, Cecil, you belong. Exactly. Like, you need to act like it. So I had to check myself in the moment, like, okay, let me make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but man, that's that's my journey in a nutshell, brother. It was it was awesome, it was surreal, it had a lot of ups and downs, but you know you can't compare your journey to anybody else's because everybody's road to success looks different and everybody's success is different. Right. Um, and your definition of success is different. So I'm just blessed, man. It was, it was, uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like if I could go back, of course I would want to go D one. Right. But 
looking back at it, I, I grew as a man, I grew as a ball player, I grew as a human being because I went to that school and had to learn work ethic and had to learn uh, just really how to grind and persevere. And it, it really made me to who I am. What I love about the story, like you said, the emotional roller coaster and what it taught you on and off the field, I have a concern. Could that story still happen today? Like this is a genuine question with, with the transfer portal, with NIL, would a guy who you know gets overlooked for whatever reason goes to a Mount Union and, and succeeds after two or three years? Do they typically will they stay there, or now we in a position or a situation because of NIL and the portal where as soon as you show success at a smaller school, you're gone and you, and you don't get the chance to stay put for four or five years? I, I think this is that's a great question. I think it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for a guy to stay at a small school when you have a ton of success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in school, it's funny when I was in school. So my, my freshman year, the offensive coordinator at Mount Union was Matt Campbell, who's the head coach of Iowa state. Now, um, his assistant was, uh, Tom Manning, who was the tight ends coach with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, um, we had, uh, my receivers coach was Jason Campbell, who was a head coach at the university of Toledo. Now we have, uh, the year before I got there, Nick Sirianni, who's a Philadelphia head coach, Philadelphia Eagles head coach, was at Mount Union. Wow. We are known for putting guys out there in that realm, right? So my junior year, my first year, I had real success, about 1,400 yards, whatever. My offensive coordinator, Jason Kendall, left to go to be receiver coach at Toledo. And I'm thinking about that situation like, if that was today and I had 1,400 yards, 27 touchdowns, I probably would have followed him yep. to Toledo, yep. right? I think in today's world, today's college football atmosphere, it's not going to be many guys that stick around because if you have an opportunity, it's everybody's dream to play at the biggest stage you can play on. So if you have an opportunity that say you're dominating at Youngstown State, you're killing it. But Baylor comes, A&M says, come knocking at the door, hey, we want you to come here. You're going to take that opportunity. And and rightfully so, right? Right, Rightfully so. You earned that opportunity. You're going to take it. Plus now you're probably getting paid Mm. to go there. Yeah. Right. You're probably getting offered to go there. I I have friends that play and you you do too. You have friends that probably coach in in, in college right now. I have a few friends that coach and um, he's at the university. He's like, yeah. So we picked up three guys in the portal, one for 150, one for 225, one for 250. I'm like, those guys are expected to play. And I'm like, Shoot. <laughs> if I'm at a small school and they offer me $250,000, guess what I'm going to do? Especially where I, how I grew up. Right. I can help my family. Yep. I can help. My, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be hard to keep, to hear those stories more. Can they still happen? Yes. Um, but it's, it's going to be hard to hear that that particular type of story. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just right. a different landscape of what college football is today. No, I'm glad you said that because so many people are saying this is ruining college football. For me, it's 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 different, and it takes getting used to as a football fan, but it's just a different landscape. I don't think it's ruining because when we turn the games on on Saturday, they're still just as entertaining. All right, there's an excerpt from Texans OG's Andy Kalou's podcast with former Texans players, Texans legends, and we might play more of that later on in the week. Really good stuff from those two former Texans players coming up. All right, final segment here on the show tonight. John Harris is back with us. Johnny, a couple of things here. 12-team college football playoff. They're going to go with the 5-plus-7, meaning five highest-ranked conference champions and then seven at large. They're doing it because of the demise of the Pac-12. Right. Are you okay with this? Now, they said the five highest-ranked conference champions. If the Big 12 champion 
is ranked lower than the Conference USA champion, which is not going to happen. But if it was the case, that Conference USA champion gets in, yes. right? Based because they're the a conference rule, yeah. champion, mm -hmm. and they're ranked higher than the Big 12 champion. Right. Now, the Conference USA, and I know Conference USA is what the Sun Belt used to be, and the Sun Belt is what the whatever used to be, and this is so hard to keep track of. But everybody's still eligible to get in as an at-large team. Yes. So that's kind of cool. First four get buys. So the first round games, yes. four of them, are at campus sites. And then you go to the New Year's Day Bowls, and then you go to a champion championship site, just like we had it here at NRG Stadium recently. I love the on-campus. I wish they would do another round on the on-campus. I think it's going to be – I think the first year they do this, they're going to find out, oh, my God, we – they, they're not going to fill every house for these bowl games. Yeah. It's going to make those bowl games exciting, obviously, because something is on the line. But what you're asking people to do, let's say that, let's say you're the, let's say you're the, uh, let's say you're the five seed. I don't know. I don't know who it is. Say you're the five seed. So if four teams get a bye, it means you're a conference champion. You're the five seed. You're playing at home in the first round. You play at home in the first round. But then all of a sudden you go to bowl game, mm -hmm. travel to another bowl game. Then you travel to the national championship. You're not going to make it anyway. That's, I mean, <laughs> but you might. That's why, that's why I use the five seed because yeah. the five seed's going to have to, you know, maybe there's not much between the five and the four. Well, the four gets a buy. The five's got to play that on campus game, which is great. It's on their campus. That's fine. But you're going to ask even the top four teams to play bowl game, travel another bowl game, and then travel na national championship. All right. So I'm TCU and I'm playing. Give me a school that would be high enough. Louisville. Yeah. They have a great year. Yeah. I'm TCU. I'm playing Louisville at home. Right. I knock them off. Right. Now I'm going to the Fiesta Bowl. Right. I got to bring my fans out there. I bring all my fans. And if I win that, I'm going to be in the Sugar or something. Then I got to bring fans to that. And then you win and you're tough. in the Natty. Now you got to travel to that. So. But the Natty, I think these bowls are going to sell a lot of tickets. These games are different now. They're playoff games. Yeah, These I, new, They're I not your so. garden variety New Year's Day bowls anymore. They're not, I don't know what we're going to get for the Orange Bowl this year. Is it Virginia Tech versus uh, whoever again? I don't want to see that, right? But I don't think you're going to get 50-50 anymore. I think what you're going to get. Oh, no, you're going to get a casual you're gonna fan get crowd. 30-40-30. 31 team, 40 the other, and 30 local fans. You know, fans just want to watch it's a, like a the great bowl tournament, right? Right, right. That's what you're going to end up getting, I think. It'll you're going to really end up getting a 30, 40, 30. 30 team one, 40 team two. Look, like in basketball, Kentucky. Kentucky's going to, you know, Kentucky gets to the final four. They, those fans find their way. But it's one trip to the final four after going to the regional and then the first and second round the weeks before that. They'll find a way. But the one thing that the NCAA basketball tournament did was what? If you were a high seed, what yeah. they do? They limited travel. Right. Kentucky will play the first two rounds in Louisville. They'll play the second two in St. Louis. And then the final four is wherever the final four is. I don't know if they'll end up doing that with college football as well. But I do think that is going to be a financial burden to be able to have to, have to go to an additional bowl game. If you, if you mm -hmm. play the two champions like Washington uh, and Michigan, Washington played down at Sugar Bowl, and they had, a, they had a great attendance for the game. I was shocked. They had a great attendance for the national championship game. Michigan went all the way out to Pasadena, played the Rose Bowl. Now they got to come here. They had a great attendance. I just think if you tacked another bowl game onto that, 
that's oh boy it gets dicey it gets very dicey very what, dicey and especially if you're a big time school that did not happen to win your conference you're going on the road to yep. play let's say you're going on the road first round you know georgia loses a couple of games right, but they're right. in it and they're getting hot late yeah they didn't win their conference but they're getting hot late right and they went on the road. Then they have to go to a bowl to play. Yeah, look, maybe they get their fans, but you're right. Year after year, it's kind of like the NAL thing in a different way. Year after year, are you taxing your fans and your donors right, right, way right. too much with all this? That's Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. Um, because back in the day, all the alums had to really worry about was, well, for the most part, facilities. Yeah. But now you got to worry about facilities and NIL. Now it's facilities, NIL, potential, you know, travel. That's a that's expensive travel too. But that being said, that being said, take that part out. But I wanted to make sure that because I people, I, love, I mean, people need to know that I, I I get what it is to ask the fans to come to game after game after game in a yeah. playoff situation. But guess what? Those games are going to be awesome. They're going to be awesome. They're going to be freaking uh, the awesome. The TV audiences oh, are going to so awesome. I can't say double, but they're going to be extremely high. Yeah. These are not exhibition bowl games anymore. These are now playoff games. The home site games. You do not want to miss these. You don't want to miss that. Right. So whoever hosting whoever, I don't care who it is. This is a Division One FBS. Why do we call it the FBS still? Football. Forget about bowl, it. Yeah, forget that. Just call it D1 and 1AA. My gosh, we're so, so sensitive. These would have been your first round games this year. All right. Oklahoma at Florida State. Uh, Ole Miss at Georgia. Penn State at Ohio State. I mean, who's not watching that? Missouri at Oregon. Yeah. Michigan would play... Let's see. Uh, da, 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 well, they got a bye. Yeah. Michigan, after a bye, would have played the winner of Oregon, Missouri. Washington would have played the winner of Ohio State, Penn, Penn State. State. Texas would get Georgia, Ole Miss winner. Alabama would get Florida State, Oklahoma winner. Texas gets Georgia in some bowl game. Good luck with that. But you know what? You're already in the Final Four right there. Yeah. And you lose in the Final Four, you lose in the Final Four. That's it. All yeah. right. The quarterback who wants out, well... He hasn't said it officially. Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears. That's a sign. Yeah. That's a sign, my friends. And that's what you do these days. You go to your social media and you wipe your social media of all of your teams. But it doesn't always mean you're going to leave because look at the, Kyler Murray. There uh, he, are other examples as well. Yep. So it's, it's it can change, but that's that's kind of the I guess the, the way thing. the kids do it now. Yep, they're like, the hey, uh, I'm just hashtag Justin Fields, mm -hmm. so not Bears QB Justin Fields. Hashtag Justin Fields. When the Bears visit here this year, NRG Stadium visit is Caleb Williams the quarterback. Yes. Okay, that's all we needed yes. to know, and that's it for the show. Area 45 coming up with Sean and Patrick. We're back tomorrow night. Some in the lab stuff, and who knows what else on a draft Wednesday. Thanks for listening. This show will be up on podcast soon enough. Go Texans.